Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Ridgeview Church. My name is Alex Barrett. I'm the lead pastor here, and we are continuing our new message series called Stand. And this series is all about stories of courage. And today we're talking about how do we stand up and choose courage in our relationships? How do we stand up for for what's right, what's pleasing to God according to his word? And I want to start off by talking about how do we stand up specifically in this election season. Uh, You have been given a tremendous influence in your life, and we've actually been given a beautiful freedom to vote in our country. And you may, like me at times, wonder, well, how how do I express this influence in a way that's going to please God, that's going to benefit my family, and it's going to bless my community. And all of a sudden, you know, on social media and as you tune into TV and in culture, there's so many messages and people vying uh, for your attention. They they want your vote. They want you to help them with their goals. Uh, But if you're a follower of Christ, one thing you need to ask is, well, how do I stand up and actually do what's pleasing to the Lord? And that actually takes uh, some, some work. That takes some, some study. That takes some time to actually learn uh, different things about worldview and God's perspective of things. And there's tremendous resources uh, that we have as Christ followers to, to learn. And so I want to encourage you to stand up in this season to really make your vote count for a way that's going to please God. Now, as the pastor of Ridgeview Church, I'm not going to tell you how you should vote. That's actually something that God has given you as a power for you to exercise and for you to influence. But I do want to encourage you to educate yourself, to take the time to stand up and say, how can I use my vote again in a way that's going to please God? So I'm going to start today with with an initial next step, how you can stand up in this current season. If you check on your connection card, fill that out, and there's a place where you can say, send me uh, some resources on the election season. Like, how do I stand up in this season? And we're going to send you uh, just a resource sheet. On the front of the sheet, the top is just worldview and books that you could check out. Again, this is going to take some time. Uh, you're not going to be able to get through every single one of these uh, before the election. But you can begin right now to read some books and to check out some websites uh, that, that talk about how do you use your faith to, to vote in a way that pleases God. And you'll see on the resource sheet, there's also things about the different uh, parties and the platforms and the positions that they have. And then how does that line up with, with scripture? And so all of those are on that sheet. Again, on your next step, uh, let us know if you'd like those resources. And you're like, yes, I'd like to stand up for what is right in this election season. And we'll make sure uh, to send that to you. Now, I want to shift gears and talk about how do you stand up in uh, your relationships. And so today we're going to dig in again to the story of Daniel, and we're going to talk about how he stood up to King Nebuchadnezzar. How did he confront the king, and how did he use uh, what he knew to be right and what was true to actually help gain influence and help direct uh, the king, who was by all means somebody who you didn't confront, you didn't stand up for. And so Daniel chose courage, and that's so we're, that's what we're going to dig into this morning. But I want to start with just kind of asking the question. I believe there's, there's two extremes when we deal with confrontation. Uh, the first, and you'll see these on the screen, the first is some are unwilling uh, to confront. It's just a sense of you may see somebody that's just doing things to their life and it's just so detrimental to them and their family, but it's just live and let live. Like they're going to do them, I'll do me, and you're just unwilling to confront anyone else. Uh, at times there could be a wisdom in that, but then at times there might be times where you have to stand up. The other extreme, again, is the exact opposite, and that is some confront 
unlovingly. These are people that they're not unwilling. In fact, they're more than willing, but they kind of see opportunity around every corner. How can I tell somebody that they're, they're wrong and I'm right? How can I point out all the things that I'm seeing in, in someone's life? And so what you find is with anything in those two extremes, you, you really actually want to find, well, what, what's the middle ground there? More importantly, what, what's God's role uh, in, in helping me confront in a way that's going to help people. And so when I use that word to confront or confrontation, I know that for you and for me, uh, things come to mind like certain emotions. But really, it's this idea of how do we truth, tell people the truth in love. That's a biblical a paradigm, a biblical concept. We're always supposed to truth in love. And where does the truth come from? It comes from God's word. And where does love come? It from, comes from God himself. So those two always go together. So when I talk about confrontation, I'm not talking about arguments. I'm not talking about fights. I'm not talking about even debates. I'm talking about something's going on in someone's life that maybe is taking them off course. And then how do we share the truth in love? Because we want to see them get back on track. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. So which one are you? Unwilling or you're willing, but maybe you don't do it in a loving way. So just kind of think about that. I want to dig into the story of Daniel, like I mentioned. And Daniel was always used by God to kind of get King Nebuchadnezzar's attention. And we dug in last week talking about Daniel was taken. Uh, he was kind of captive, was basically sieged by the Babylonians, going to be raised in culture at about the age of 14 and 15. And what happened is he stood out for what was right. He didn't want to eat the king's food, a little recap of last week. And he decided, like, I am not going to dishonor God in his name. I'm going to do what God uh, commands of me. And he did that, and he gained influence with King Nebuchadnezzar. And they had a relationship over the course of time. And what kept happening was Daniel would, would kind of speak to King Nebuchadnezzar, and it seemed like King Nebuchadnezzar was just learning a little bit more about God and his ways and would maybe kind of seem like he was going to change direction in his life. And then he would get into pride, and he'd lean in, and then he'd, he'd turn away. And it's really easy as we look at King Nebuchadnezzar, he was evil uh, in every sense of the word. But I think it also represents a lot of what we can do with God, even maybe people that, that love us, that want to point us towards God. We, we kind of can get the attention. We may be looking like we want to change and go our way, but it's so easy to just go back to our default. Maybe to the patterns that we've had our whole life. Maybe patterns of, of pride or patterns of, of laziness. Just we want to change, but we, we still want to do things our own way. So this is going on in King Nebuchadnezzar's life. And what happens is God gives him a crazy dream. And this dream uh, is perplexing to him. He doesn't quite know what it means. And so in King Nebuchadnezzar's realm and in his kingdom, he had all sorts of different people that he would ask to interpret the dreams. And so he goes to different people wondering what this means and what that means for him. And he kept asking and asking and no one would interpret it. So let's start with what this crazy dream was and then kind of what happened and how Daniel got involved. So here's the dream, Daniel chapter four, verse 10. These are the visions I saw while lying in my bed. So this is King Nebuchadnezzar speaking. I looked and there before me stood a tree in the middle of the land. Its height was enormous. The tree grew large and strong and its top touched the sky. It was visible to the ends of the earth. Its leaves were beautiful, its fruit abundant, and on it was food for all. Under it, the beasts of the field found shelter and the birds of the air lived in its branches. 
From it, every creature was fed. Verse 13, in the visions I saw while lying in my bed, I looked and there before me was a messenger, a holy one coming down from heaven. This is an angel. Then verse 14, he called in a loud voice, cut down the tree and trim off its branches, strip off its leaves and scatter its fruit. Let the animals flee from under it and the birds from its branches. And so King Nebuchadnezzar is just giving us this insight. Here's this dream that, that I had. And again, he's talking to his kind of prophets or the magicians, and he's just asking them like, what does this dream mean? And the scriptures say either they didn't know what it meant or they knew what it meant, but they didn't want to tell him. And as you read the dream, it's kind of easy to pick up on some, maybe some things that are happening, maybe what God is trying to tell King Nebuchadnezzar. But again, he can't see it. And that's what happens in life. There may be something that's plain to everything else. He can't see it. He's, he's blinded. It's like a, a blind spot. Then it goes on in verse 17. The decision is announced by messengers. The holy ones declare the verdict so that the living may know that the most high is sovereign over the kingdoms of men and gives them to anyone he wishes and sets over them the lowliest of men. So again, this startled King Nebuchadnezzar and he wanted to know what, what does this mean for me? Why did I have this dream in this, this detail? And so all of his trusted advisors that he went to first would not interpret the, de- the, the dream. So he goes to Daniel. Now, last week when we kind of intro Daniel and King Nebuchadnezzar, Daniel was again probably about 14 or 15. Now in the story, what takes place in chapter four, he's probably between 45 and 50 years of age. In that time, he'd been under King Nebuchadnezzar's rule. They had a relationship. He actually was someone that King Nebuchadnezzar continued to go to. It's really interesting. We don't know why he didn't go to Daniel first, but he ends up at Daniel saying, Daniel, no one else will help me. No one else is willing to tell me what this dream means. Now, in this time, you, if you're like me, you're thinking, well, Daniel is now in a tough spot because no one else is willing to actually speak truth to King Nebuchadnezzar. And King Nebuchadnezzar is asking for it. Will you tell me what this means? Now, Daniel could have lied. I have no idea. He could have evaded the question. Instead, what we find is when King Nebuchadnezzar asks, what is the meaning of this dream? And the scriptures say that Daniel was was perplexed. There's this period of time that he's just troubled by this dream because he knows what it means. And he has this thought, I imagine inside of him, like I'm about to stand up to tell King Nebuchadnezzar what this means and the implications for my life. I'm actually not sure what he's gonna do. Because kings like King Nebuchadnezzar, there can be known to kill the messenger. They just don't like what they're hearing. And so this is where Daniel finds himself, a point in time, and he has to take a risk. And so I want to pick up the story with Daniel 4, verse 22, and notice what Daniel does. He says, you, O king, are that tree. You have become great and strong. Your greatness has grown until it reaches the sky and your dominion extends to distant parts of the earth. And so Daniel speaks plainly. You are that tree. What's very interesting before in verse 22, you find that that Daniel says, I wish that this message and this dream were not for you, king, that it was for your adversaries. It was for your enemies. It was this dream would be for them. And what you find is at verse 22, when he says, you are that tree, Uh, He was troubled by that, not because he wanted to 
be right or he wanted to prove that King Nebuchadnezzar was, was wrong, but really he, he actually loved King Nebuchadnezzar in a way that he wanted what was best. He wanted to see that he would return uh, to God, that he would turn and face him and decide really to live a life pleasing to him. And so when he calls out, you are that tree, he was troubled by that. It gave him, it gave him pause. And then he goes on in verse 25 and 26. It says, you will be driven away from people and will live with wild animals. You will eat grass like cattle and be drenched with the dew of heaven. Seven times will pass by for you until you acknowledge that the most high is sovereign over the kingdoms of men and gives them to anyone he wishes. So he's just taking the dream, this imagery, this picture. You are this tree and you are going to be like the wild animals. And he says this word seven times will pass. What that means is seven years. Seven years will pass until you turn to God. And then he goes on in verse 26. The command to leave the stump of the tree with its roots means that your kingdom will be restored to you when you acknowledge that heaven rules. So here we go. Daniel had the courage to stand up. He could see what was going on. He could see clarity. God had given him the ability to discern. He knew God. He walked with God. He had this relationship with God. And when you do that, when you follow Christ and you give your life to him, he gives you himself and the person of the Holy Spirit. And you now have clarity. You you can walk with the Spirit in the different situations that you face in your life and your relationships and circumstances and problems. And God gives you help supernatural help. And that's what we find what happened with Daniel. But what's really interesting is that Daniel did not stop there. He didn't just interpret the dream and say, there you go, king. That's what it means. I hope you have a good day. I'm going to go back to my activities. This is where you find that Daniel stood up even more in courage to do what was right according to what is true. And this is what he had the courage to say. This is verse 27. King Nebuchadnezzar, please accept my advice. Stop sinning and do what is right. Break from your wicked past and be merciful to the poor. Perhaps then you will continue to prosper. And Daniel's saying, look, King, I've told you what this means. I've put you as the character in this dream. This is your life. This is the time that's going to happen. This is what you're going to do. But will you listen and accept my advice? Humbly I come to you. Please turn away from your wickedness. Turn away from wrong and do right. Perhaps, maybe God will be gracious to you. And so it's this humble and gentle plea. I want to see good come to you. I want to see good come from your kingdom. Now again, this happened years and years and years ago crazy dream. All these things are happening, but that's actually the same principle that that Daniel had is the same principle that we have actually as a value of our church. We have what we call heart attitudes. These are really guiding principles for how we want to treat each other and how we want to relate within the church. And our heart attitude number three is to give and receive scriptural confrontation. That's a value you find in scripture. There's this encouragement that we have that we want to, again, tell people the truth in love so that they may be spurred on to do what God wants in their life. And so Daniel is modeling this for us. And for the rest of the message, I want to say, well, what does this mean? Daniel stood up 
He didn't just say, you know, call it what it was. He gave implications. He, he pleaded. He related in a way to the king to say, please, will you consider these things? Will you turn away from your path and, and turn towards God in this gracious and loving way? We find ourselves in the same position today with the different people that we have. If you're a parent, you can find yourself in this situation with how do I prayerfully confront my kids that seem to be going off of course? If you have older kids, you may see that that they've just gone off the path and, and your heart aches for them, but God may use you to just prayerfully confront them with the truth. You have younger kids and you could see that maybe they're rebelling and they're they're just not listening or obeying quickly and again, They're just going off course, prayerfully confronting them uh, with the truth. You could have this in your marriage. There may be some patterns that you have in relating where you have to confront each other. You know, we're not treating each other right. We're not going in the right direction and we need to confront each other with the truth and love. This could happen in friends. You have dear friends that you love, you care for, you spend time with, and they're talking about their life. And in a way, they may not be even asking you for feedback, but you just sense that you could speak truth. You could give them some insight into maybe some things that they're doing that is damaging. So for the rest of the time, with this kind of, this implication of prayerful confrontation, how can we do this with the people that, that we relate to? And then how can people do this uh, to us? And so I want to read in the New Testament, Galatians 6, 1, which gives so much guidance on how do we, like Daniel, confront people in a way that God may get their attention again. This is what it says. Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. So the beginning of this prayerful confrontation is this this prayer And I want to start with, this is like the first point. What does this mean for us today? Well, we want to say to God, God, help me confront with the goal of restoration. That's different from help me to be right or help them to see that I'm right. Help them to listen to me. But but it's really help me to be an instrument that you want to use to redeem them, to redeem what they're facing, to make it useful for them to restore them. Help, God, help me that I can help be a part of of turning them back to you. Now, God can do anything he wants. He has power that we don't have. He actually is the one who softens our heart, just like he can soften King Nebuchadnezzar's heart. But he does use his people just like God had appointed Daniel. He appoints us. How can we be a part of this restoration process? I want to give you kind of some principles that help. Well, how do I do that? How do I confront and correct in this loving and and helpful way? Well, this is the part where uh, the gently. So we should do this gently and humbly. Well, restoration gently means this. If you're giving feedback to somebody and it has this edge of maybe a correction or it's, you know, confrontation, what you want to do is there's an image here. It's called the feedback burger just helpful to see. It's a different burger, but it's still helpful. And what it is, is you want to encourage. You want to give some positive uh, encouragement to the person, the things that you see in them, maybe that they've been growing, or maybe they've been facing uh, hard things and you just relate to, to what they're experiencing. 
You, you get on the same page with them. You let them know that, that you're there for them. There's this encouragement. So that's the, the top. That's how you want to enter the conversation. And then the middle is what your concern is. This is something that, that I'm seeing, uh, and it's, it's a pattern. And so you want to, when you confront and you give correction, you want to correct patterns, not one-time uh, offenses. We, we can all do something one time in an emotional reaction, in the pressure, in just being, just having a hard time in, in life. But you want to you look for patterns. So, so this is something that, that I've seen in your life. And I know you and I, I know the person that you want to become. I know the influence that you want to have. And this is something that I think is, is really taking you off track. Then you end with some more positive feedback, some encouragement. I'm, I'm here for you. I'm, I'm praying for you. God will help you. Turn to him. And, and I've already seen the change that he's done in you. And I already know, again, the, the person that you're trying to be. And so person has the sense like this person is, is for me. They're identifying with, with who I am and where I'm headed. They want to help me. They want to, to pray with me. And there's this encouragement with some correction, with some more encouragement. That's this feedback burger. Now, if you want to know, well, how do I know kind of what to say and, and how to say it? Well, you want to pray through this. That's why it's prayerful confrontation. You want to just ask God, here are the things I'm seeing. God, will you make it clear and give me the words to say? And you may want to write it down. So you're not just kind of going off the top of your head. Write it down. And, and here's just the percentage that, that's helpful to me. You want to aim for about 85% encouragement and about 15% correction in this confrontation. How do I encourage them overwhelmingly so they really know, again, that I'm, I'm here for them and God is here for them. And God is there to help with whatever they're facing. And then here are some things that they could do differently. So that feedback burger, 85% encouragement, 15% correction, that's helpful for me. The reason I say that is we live in a time in social media where there's so much like drive-by confrontation. Somebody posts something, somebody counterposts, and it's not productive because we're not actually relating to each other. So what I'm talking about actually happens in the context of relationships. More and more, I'm realizing that there is so much power in showing up in relationships. If you show up to church, there is power there because you're present. As you come to events at church, there's power there because you're with other people. There is power in showing up. Why? Because we're meant to be life to life. We're meant to relate to each other. So what I'm talking about here is really the context of how we do this within our church community. How do we stand up to help each other when we're off track? And that happens as we're relating. It happens as we're face to face it happens as we're loving each other and encouraging one another. And if you're a Christ follower, this is a command. He wants you to do this. It's this encouragement you see in Galatians, what we just read. And so this question, this, this prayer, God, help me to confront with the goal of restoration. And that's why I'm such a believer in our connect groups. Our connect groups are crucial so that you can be face-to-face, life-to-life with people. And you can share what's going on in your life. And as you share, you can even ask for, for input. And as people are sharing, you have a position where you could, how could I help this person? And that happens again in life, in groups, as we learn uh, together. So that's the first. The second is this. God, help me to confront with caution. So help me to confront with restoration, to actually help this person 
turn to God. The second is help me to confront with, with caution. This is the, the humble aspect. So we're supposed to confront gently and humbly according to Galatians 6.1. Well, this last part is, this is the humility. And the idea is in the scripture, and be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. I have an analogy in my life all the time, and usually it's driving. And see if this has happened to you. Somebody will cut me off and not give like enough room between cars. Like maybe I have a nice little cushion and they see the cushion. They think I'll take that cushion and that's where I'm going to fit in the lane. And they take that cushion away and I'm putting my brakes. I'm like, what are you? Like I'm right here. This is my space. Why are you invading my space? And I can get really agitated and frustrated at people. Can you relate to that? I'm sure you can. It's so easy to do. But what's so funny is about five minutes down the road on the freeway, I realize like I'm in the lane that's going to end and I now need to merge to the next lane. And you know what I do? I look for the space with the cushion and I just get in nice and tight between those two cars. Isn't that so interesting? The very thing that I was agitated about that somebody did, I just did to somebody else. That happens in driving. It happens in life as well. Uh, People may come at us, maybe they're, they're disrespectful or they're dismissive or they put us down and it really bothers us. They haven't done anything to, to restore us. In fact, it seemed like they were just wanting to be right. But then maybe later that day or a couple days later, you relate to your spouse or you relate to your kids or you relate to a coworker and the very thing that was done to you, you do to somebody else. Isn't that the irony of this? And that's what Paul, the writer in Galatians is saying, be careful, have caution. Because if you get in a position where you're confronting somebody with the truth, it's very easy to get into pride. And you think, well, I have my life together and God's appointed me just like Daniel. I'm just going to point out the things that people need to do. The issue is for every blind spot you see in somebody else, you have blind spots yourself. The issue is you don't see them because they're blind spots. There's just patterns that you have that may be detrimental to your spiritual growth. There may be things that you do in relationships that really doesn't help people. And so this posture of humility is saying, God, I'm not in this situation to try to prove that I'm the right one and I have all the answers. Because God, I know that they seem broken and messed up in this situation, but you know what, God? I'm broken and I'm messed up as well. I have to find myself in this role so much, just even as a pastor, I don't want my life to be like, I'm just talking about God's word all the time, God's word all the time. This is what you should do. This is what you should say. This is where you should go. And then just think that either it doesn't apply to me or I have my life all together. I always have to approach God humbly. God, my life is messed up. I'm broken. My motives are mixed at best. And there's times where I just flat out want to do what I want to do in my selfishness, in my arrogance. And so God, as I help people and as I try to plead with people to turn to God, help me to realize that I have to plead myself humbly to continue to turn to you for help. That's that prayer of surrender. So I want to encourage you, begin to think through, how can I love those around me with the goal of of restoration? And then how can I do that with, with caution? And so in the story, what's really interesting, Daniel, again, he stood up. He had this posture of humility He had this posture of gently saying like, King, I wish this wasn't about you. But he told him the truth. Please, 
King Nebuchadnezzar, accept my advice. Turn from your ways. Well, did the king do that? Did he listen and say, Daniel, thank you so much. You have saved me from destroying my life, my family, and the kingdom. No, in fact, the very vision that was given to him, the dream that he had, he ended up not turning to God. And do you know the time frame that it took? Remember those seven times have passed? It took King Nebuchadnezzar seven years. It's so interesting. He knew that that was the case, that this would, was gonna be about his life, seven years. And he just decided, well, I'm not gonna turn to God. I'm still not gonna do it. I'm still gonna do what I want to do. And his kingdom was taken from him and he grazed like the animals and he ate the grass. This is a king. And his life got turned upside down. And I just want to say, God uses us in different situations, in different ways, and we cannot control uh, the outcome. Our, Our job is to lovingly confront and correct with the love and truth of God's word. And then people will decide what they want to do. We don't control the outcome. We don't control what people do. We can't force anyone to change. That's God's job. God is the change agent. We are not. But he may use us to stand up for what is true. Now, there's an encouraging kind of end in this chapter that happens. And I want to share this. This is Daniel 4, 34. After this time had passed, I, Nebuchadnezzar, looked up to heaven. My sanity returned and I praised and worshiped the Most High and honored the one who lives forever. His rule is everlasting and his kingdom is eternal. Oh, I love that. Seven years, Daniel was watching, seeing what had happened. Seven years before, knowing he knew the truth. King Nebuchadnezzar knew what to do. It's just such a reminder. God, help us to tell the truth, to love people, and then to be patient and just watch you work. God, help us to be patient. His timing and our timing are so different, but this is such a reminder. King Nebuchadnezzar came to the point. He's like, you are the eternal most high God. He turned to God. He praised God. He came to his senses. So I want to encourage you in closing, I mentioned some of maybe these arenas that this might happen. If if you're married and your marriage is having some patterns where maybe you guys are like fighting and picking at each other and sarcastic with each other and putting each other down and you realize like it's not really enjoyable the way you're relating to each other, but you're not talking about it. You just keep in the same pattern, hoping it gets better, but you're doing the same things. So the same things will always equal the same result. And so I want to encourage you, if you're a husband, God's given you the role to lead, to lead your wife in a way where you sacrifice for her. And so if you are married and you are the husband, I encourage you to really consider if there are some things and some patterns in your marriage, you have been given this role to take the initiative to confront what's going on. That may mean you have to humbly admit your mistakes and you need to ask for forgiveness. If you're a wife and there's tension in your marriage, God wants to use you to also get your husband's attention. They'll be like, you know what? We need to talk about this marriage. I love you. I want to fight for this marriage. Let's deal with with some of these patterns. And so if you're married and that's you, there is hope for your marriage. Don't give up. 
There may be some tough conversations. You may even get some help. Here at Ridgeview Church, we're here to help you. We can provide some counsel. We can be just even a a soundboard where you just need to talk things through. We want to help you in your marriages. Let us know. But I encourage you to prayerfully consider that. Uh, You may be at the workplace and there may be somebody at work who you relate to that their attitude is causing all sorts of divisions with everyone else in the office. And people in the office gossip about them. They complain about them. They see them coming down the hall and they turn and go a different direction. God may want to use you to lovingly tell this person how their words and their attitudes are damaging the workplace. Nobody else will. Just like all of those uh, people that King Nebuchadnezzar talked to, they would not or could not tell him the truth. But maybe God wants to use you in your workplace to lovingly help somebody that you work with to see. And imagine what could happen if this person took your advice and said, you know what, you're right, I, I have been very... Uh, short with with my coworkers, and what if they begin to to just ask you for advice and counsel on how to change? And what would happen if if they did? Could you imagine? Now people know if you're a follower of Christ, and you identified with Him. They see like, wow, this person uh, took a risk, and they could start seeing how God begins to work in these situations. And then if you're a parent, you may have a child who has some patterns, and you can see them so clearly because you're an adult. And maybe the pattern is is rebellion and they're rebelling against you and maybe they're rebelling against other authority. If you rebel as as a child, you're going to have a very hard life. Rebellion is something that God takes seriously. That's pride and it's arrogance. And so you may have to have a conversation just as a family, be honest. You know what, kids, we have just let you guys in a way uh, be the bosses of our family. You've been telling us what you will or will not do, but you know, as parents, God has given us the role to lead you and to train you. And so lovingly, we're not going to allow this to happen anymore. And so when we ask you to do something, we want you to, to obey quickly because that's what makes Jesus happy. It's not about us, but we want you to be restored to reality the way that God wants you to relate as a child in our house. Again, could you imagine how could that help your child in their life to grow up knowing don't rebel. I, I do what is right and pleasing uh, to God. So those are some things uh, to consider. So as I wrap up, let's put those into some practical next steps. Right now, fill out that connection card. Click on that. You can still listen as we're wrapping up, but go ahead and fill it out if you haven't yet. Here's some next step. The one I started with, send me resources of how to stand uh, during an election, and we will send you that. We also, uh, if you, you know, check that, we want to send you a prayer guide too. How can you pray over the next two weeks uh, for our election, for our country, for our cities and our community that we live in locally? And so we have a role as Christians to stand up, but we also have a role to pray and we need to be praying. And so we'll send you a prayer guide as well. The second next step is to memorize Galatians 6.1, that just reminder of to humbly and gently work for restoration. And then the last next, or sorry, the third next step is to sign you up for the Daniel Bible plan. There's actually a Bible plan on version. We've done some of these Bible plans before. Seven day, a week plan, where we'll dig into the book of Daniel together. And we'll look at these stories of courage. And I think this will be a real help to you. Because as we're reading the scripture ourselves, when we come and talk about it on a Sunday, you'll now have, have a reference. And so uh, you can participate. We'll do this all together as a church. You can comment on your takeaways in this app. 
And so I encourage you, sign up for that and we'll send you uh, the information of how you can do that. And the last next step is just ask God to show me anyone I need to lovingly and humbly confront. Maybe there's somebody that's already come to your mind and you see, you know, there is something there that God just seems to be speaking to you about. Like he just keeps bringing them to your mind. If that's happening, God wants to use you. And so begin to pray. Ask him, God, help me to do this lovingly and humbly to bring about the restoration that you want to see. So glad you've decided uh, to join us this morning. We're gonna wrap up our service. And I just encourage you to take these next steps to pray and ask God to use you. So let's pray together now. Father, we, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for the fact that we actually have an active role to play in this world. As Christ followers, when we decide to follow you, you want to use us as instruments to help people, to love people, and, and to bring about the change that you can bring in a life. So God, just bring anyone to mind that, that we may need to lovingly and humbly confront and to to give correction to and show us if, if we need to get input and maybe we need to receive some of that ourselves and we need to take initiative uh, to get input on our own life. God, we do pray for our country right now. I pray for our president, Donald Trump and Mike Pence as they continue to lead and there's so many different aspects of an election that causes division, but I pray, God, that, that we will, as a country, we will turn to you, we will humbly follow you, And we will actually be a nation that that pleases you, God. And as a church, help us to be a part of loving our community here and being this instrument that we've talked about in all the different relationships that we have. So we pray for just our country. We pray for this election that your will will be done. And God, we, we thank you for being sovereign, that no matter what happens, you will use it for our good. So we thank you for this time. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen.